There's something been curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra. Yes, it's that time of the month again where we just put together everything about what's going on in the sky and we need one person to do that and that's Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> that's a very nice introduction. Just one person to tell you everything about the sky. <laughs> Big me up there. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> So how's it going? Yeah, really, really well. Yourself? Yeah, busy, but uh, not as busy as you are by the sound of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Last month was just uh, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you were there for one, weren't you? Yeah. All right, let's talk about what we did, shall we? Last month. Yeah. What has UK Astro been up to? A couple of days ago, as some of you may know, my day job is I'm a firefighter and I work in London and at Stanmore. And they had an open day and they were kind of mustering, trying to muster charities, charities mainly together because they were raising money for the charities that were going to actually attend to be there. So UK Astronomy naturally went to the open day. There was the London Fire Brigade, of course, which was, it was actually my day shift. I ended up being in charge of the drill in front of hundreds of people, putting a ladder up and going up wearing full BA, which is like breathing apparatus, into a fire. Someone actually rigged something together, a special effects guy that someone knew, to actually have fire and smoke. So yeah, that was fun. So I actually went all out the ladder, went in with a friend of mine or colleague, rescued a couple of dummies, put the fire out in front of all these people. I was more nervous at doing that than actually going into a real fire where I could die. How ridiculous is that? Got, we had the London Ambulance were there. We had the fire dog as well. So the little fire dog that comes around and smells, you know, whether it was arson and stuff like that or helps finding people and things under rubble. He was there. My wife was there with medical detection dogs with one of the dogs that actually alerts the lady that was there. She has a uh, diabetes. So mm-hmm. if it, the level drops quite swiftly and it alerts her to it because otherwise she can actually go into almost like a coma and just drop. Yeah. So the dog alerts her so then she can do whatever she needs to do to obviously stay with us. (laughs) And while we were there, just literally talking to her for about 20 minutes, the dog had alerted her five times in that amount of time. So that's how often. So yeah, they're amazing. We managed to get a pitch with them as well. Medical detection dogs, dog with the fire dog and UK Astronomy of a little uh, LFB bear looking through one of the telescopes, (laughs) as you do. And blessing Mick was pretty much, we've spoken about Mick Scott probably, my right hand man. If you're in the Facebook group, you'll know him well, well you can't not know him. He, he was pretty much in charge of the whole thing with uh, my wife's friend, Susie, because I, I couldn't do much. I was there to be, you know, my day job. Yeah. But yeah, fantastic. I think from what we've seen so far, they've raised about £1,500. That's pretty good. For game. four charities, which is the Firefighters Charity, which what they help, uh, you know, firefighters that have been injured or need help, you know, rehabilitation, their families as well. They've actually got a place down, I think it's down on the coast somewhere. It might be Devonish, somewhere like that, where you can actually go stay and you do like a whole like weeks intensive course to get you back fit quicker Mm -hmm. and things like that so they're amazing 
Uh, obviously, UK Astronomy as well, bless them, they're giving us some of the money as well. The medical Detection Dogs as well. There's another charity there that they, they didn't really realise were a charity. I think it might have been River Safety sort of style thing. All right. But yeah, so I, I'm not too sure who it was because they literally only found out yesterday when I was at work. So yeah, four charities and hopefully there's a couple of companies that said they're going to match the amount we made. So for one day, that's an amazing amount. Yeah. There was about, I should probably say 10 old fire engines because my ADO, who's just like the governor of the station, his hobby is actually building and renovating old fire engines. Yeah, I, I saw some of the photographs of those and it, it kind of made me a little bit emotional because my grandfather was in the London Fire Brigade during the Blitz. And yeah. uh, there was a couple of engines that probably would have been his era. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there was one that my actual ADO made up and they had the old rebreathing sets and things like that mm-hmm. rather than the ones that actually have air in like us and we do it they actually you kind of rebreathe your own <laughs> your own air and yeah that would have been sort of almost that, that sort of era of things and stuff like that so yeah they actually had an old steam one as well mm-hmm. they're actually putting coal into it and they got water to work and lifted from open water we had a dam there which we had hook a duck and then they put the hard suction in so did we the new engine and the old engine actually then lifted from that and sprayed water so you had like the brand new state-of-the-art mercedes (laughs) fire engine we've only had it a couple of months this brand new fire engine it is amazing and then you had that old you know run by coal steam engine both working together side by side it was great great day good fun that's just one of the things I have to mention the Jonathan Page Centre because uh, I taught a load of kids there all about the solar system, what they can see and how, as you know, the usual inflatable solar system talk that they love. They're in Aylesbury, aren't they? They're based in Aylesbury, yeah. just down the road from your mum and dad, aren't they? Yeah, just a well, couple from of what, how I know now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually met Mark's mum and dad, become <laughs> part of the family. But yeah, so we did a, a talk there. They were one of the biggest sort of clubs for kids I've seen around. And they, they it's amazing. They've got so many toys and tables and things and the staff are really nice aren't they it's changed a lot from when I used to go it was a bit more like an adventure playground thing when when I was a kid Jonathan Page has been around for oh man at least 30 odd years and they've always done good work and the, the latest version of Jonathan Page really does have an atmosphere doesn't it yeah, yeah. You, you walk in there and you can just see the kids are running around, they're having fun, but they're being well behaved. They're not just screaming, are they, and running no. around frying stuff. No, <laughs> as, you, as you do get with kids. The only reason we really mention it is because, uh, as you know, well, as you probably will know from Mark, because he, he always promotes it, we're, we're hoping to link his Yuri Night celebration there, aren't we? So for next yeah. year, funnily enough, there's quite a few things to celebrate next year. I've been looking it up. It it's UK Astronomy's five years. Yep. So we've been around, it's our fifth year anniversary from when we first ever started so that's pretty cool it's was it 50 years since the moon landings you said yeah it is yeah so you've got that to celebrate it's also you know the day that the first man went into space as we know named after him the launch of the first ever space shuttle was on that that date as well so wow there you go loads <laughs> to celebrate and also we got our own celebration haven't we yeah. it's our year anniversary that was august um... august so, so last month was our year's anniversary you're gonna have to put like some party poppers or blowers or sound effects in I think. (laughs) 
<laughs> We've also got our fifth anniversary coming up next month. It's all exciting stuff. Yeah, watch this space. It'll be really cool. So hopefully next year there'll be lots going on because we want to do something for our five years. Yeah. So we're, 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 we're in talks at the moment of like, what can we do? And we're thinking of doing something to try and get all the schools in a local area to maybe do a project. And the one that wins gets UK Astronomy to come for free to their school to teach them all about space and stuff like that. And we're humping to maybe do it with Scouts and Beavers as well. Something for the Facebook group so they can get involved and all sorts of things. So I, hope, I think we're hoping to do five things, one for each year. Yeah, so then we had the big event, didn't we? The, the big one for the year, especially for UK Astronomy. And you were there, weren't you? Park Life our first one I mean you've, you've been there a, a few times but uh, yeah it's our third year that one that's our third year I love it it's brilliant we actually covered it for the podcast we also did some things away from the podcast as a little bit of a project that we're working on uh, I won't say much about that now because uh, it's still seeds at the moment but um, I mean I was with you guys when I could be because um, <laughs> I was out and about and doing different things and uh, Swelling with celebrities. Yeah, I was. <laughs> as, as you'll you'll find out from the podcast, I actually interviewed the mayor, uh, some of the bands that are involved, uh, some organisations that were there, and it was um, our Liz Springs, her first debut outing with a press pass. <laughs> Yeah, the mighty press pass. I've been I've been going there three years. He comes along, and the first year he can get behind the scenes. He can go into the celebrity tent with all the singers and everything. I'm like, really? That's not fair. I'm stuck out in the field. He gets all the champagne and all that sort of stuff. Caviar. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so Park Life, what it is, it's just a massive festival, isn't it? It's yeah. like a weekend-long festival. Uh, it's completely free to the public, so the public can go there. Obviously, they have to pay for food and bits and stuff like that, but all the activities that the charities and community bodies around there, there's a, there's a CIA <laughs> area, isn't there? It's a community yeah. involvement area, I think that, it's called, so it's right. not anything. And as we were talking, we hate them, don't we? Was it acronyms? Acronyms, yeah. <laughs> acronyms. Yeah, we hate them. So that's what that is. And that's just where all the community bodies are there for people to come along. And we have to put on free stuff for the public. And obviously we were there showing them the sun and stuff. And uh, it's usually, I think they say it's usually around 10,000 people go. Well, um, when I was talking to Ruth Mayhew, who uh, ran the event, uh, she was saying on the Saturday afternoon, uh, sort of midway through the afternoon, they had Mm. 7,000, I think, people through the gates and that was just on the first day they were a little bit pessimistic about the second day because the weather wasn't supposed to be that fantastic but (laughs) from what i saw it didn't deter people they were coming in their droves yeah proms in the park isn't it in the the second day on the on the first day it was what they call live in the park um then followed by you guys doing your stars in the park yeah, they do. They do a fantastic job, especially Ruth. Like to organise all of that is just mad, and it's always worked so smoothly, from what I see. Behind the scenes might be a different matter. I know quite often behind it's chaos, but it yeah. all works, doesn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. But it just goes to show, like just doing and having a you know doing astronomy, you can get involved in so many different things. Yeah. And you're not just you're not just showing people the stuff. You know, look through this. You're meeting people. You're there meeting. You know, like you meet the mayors. You meet community groups that then you know ask you to come do talks for them or you help them they help you and you end up just becoming part of like three years into it now 
you walk around and like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You just turn up a part of a community. Yeah. And it's not even my community. I'm Milton Keynes. <laughs> I mean, we so now I, I feel part of Aylesbury. We've been asked to be, uh, get involved in a couple of other things since doing that for the garbage pod rather than TGP nominal. But it's all part of the umbrella, if you if you know what I mean. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Then use hashtag International Podcast Day to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. Into the with TGP nominal. Extra. I'm going to start off by saying about our sort of day events, people quite often come over and they, they see the telescopes out and they're like, well, what are you looking at? It's just during the day. And we're like, well, we're looking at the sun. It's our nearest star, you know, and they're like, oh, they see the stars in the sky, then our sun. They know it's still the same thing, but they don't put two and two together, if you know, and they don't link it. You're like, well, yeah, that's our nearest star. It's right there. We're looking at it and they're like, isn't that dangerous? They still think you can't look at the sun no matter what. You can look at the sun safely with a telescope or, you know, even binoculars. You shouldn't look at it without anything on, but you, you just need special filters. So never look normally because you'll go blind. I mean, I'd probably say this in every podcast because I always have to to cover it so that someone doesn't sue me and I lose my home. You can get the filters just to go on the end. They're just like film, but just make sure they're certified. If they've got the certified kite mark and all that sort of thing on it. And generally, I always say try and buy it from a store you know, like a store like Tring Astronomy or come and talk to us or check with your local astronomy group or something like that that because online we all know what you buy isn't always what you get is it so be careful and that just goes on the end of your telescopes you pop it on the end there and it's generally more for ones that have got mirrors in so reflectors so things like dobsonians and bits like that but then you can get ones that i think are safer because one the kids don't come walking up and put their fingers on it for some reason they just love to walk up and stick their fingers on the end of it don't know why (laughs) i've I've lost two 80 pound proper film ones because they've gone up and just stuck their fingers in it and like oh dude really why you can get something that's called a, uh, a Herschel wedge, but it's mainly for refractor telescopes, so the ones with the lenses in. And that goes on the other end, so it's where you're actually looking through that it goes on. And you pop it in the bottom there, and that takes away all the heat and the light that would normally go to your eye. And because it's going through a lens, lenses are a lot hardier than mirrors. They don't distort, they don't bend or anything like that in the heat. They can take it. So that is fantastic. You put that on the end there. It's about the same amount of money. It's about £800. And then you can safely look at the sun and you'll be able to see sunspots and bits and bobs on there. 
Mick's got a camera he sticks on and he's got a special bit in there that he can actually look at the flares so it's like the hydrogen alpha wavelength of it he knows a lot more about that side than me all I know is I've got a designated telescope which is called a Coronado sounds like tornado to me and it's a designated solar scope it will only look at the sun you can't see anything else with it but it will show you all the solar flares that are going around the edge because it shows you the hydrogen alpha wavelength which is pretty much what it throws off so that's really cool so they're the two things you can really see sunspots and them and then as I said Mick puts a camera in puts it on his laptop so he's sitting there recording it all day people can go in there and see it on his laptop and be like oh that's amazing that's really cool and then he'll go home and he'll process it all and then he sticks it on the Facebook group so then people join the group they saw it at the event and then they can come along and see what you can actually get just by using like a CCD camera in the back which is just like a webcam really just a lot more customized so that's really cool for people to do it and they absolutely love it you never get to see the sun like that so what we also like to do is, is I must admit it's mainly Mick he likes to have a bit of fun with the kids he likes to mess with their minds a bit <laughs> so he actually puts different filters that show the sun as different colours through each telescope so you have one that shows it as red one that shows you as green so we call it the, the Incredible Hulk sun white and then also we use the solar glasses so they can actually pop them on have a look up and see it all in different colours so we always we always go up to go right so what's in that one? red what's it look like in that one? green Okay, so what colours the sun then? And they all go, uh, yellow. And I'm like, right, so none of the colours that you saw in there. They're like, no, cool. Did you know that it's actually white? And they're like, what? Like, yeah, the sun in space is actually white, but it turns yellow because our atmosphere turns it yellow. That's what I want to say to kids. I don't try and go too, <laughs> you know, into all the scientific behind wavelengths and stuff. I go, turns it yellow. So really, it's white, just like our sky technically should be black, but it turns it blue. And they all just sit there and go, because at school, they're taught it's yellow, aren't they? Everything they do, it's yellow, it looks yellow. Yeah. So I said, next time you go back to school, when your teacher asks you to draw the solar system, on a white piece of paper, draw a circle, and then say, that's the sun, done. Because you don't need to add any color to it, it's white. <laughs> and see what the teacher says. So not only are we messing with the kids, we're messing with the teachers, bless them. So I'll wait for a lot of complaints to come through on my emails now. <laughs> yeah, so as well as showing the sun and showing the kids all that stuff about the different colors and find out what it actually looks like, uh, thanks to Mick Scott, we've also gone green because uh, we've got our own solar panels. They actually use the sun's light to run the laptop which you're using to look at the sun with so how brilliant is that to educate the kids that the light they're seeing in our telescopes from the sun 93 million miles away in eight minutes will reach us and those solar panels transfer the energy of the sun and the heat and the light of it to energy to then run our gear and the laptops it's pretty amazing isn't it yeah because it's another thing we can now say to them, why aren't we using this? The sun is huge. There's just so much energy being thrown out of it that, you know, our planet Earth gets probably like, like something like 0.1% of it probably, doesn't it? The amount it throws out. I don't know the exact precise one. I'm just making it up. But we get next to nothing. And the amount we must be missing. So if we could get up there and harness it, it would just, you know, it would cure all these problems we've got. So hopefully Elon Musk or something will do something crazy. He's starting to develop roadways, actually. He's, he's come up with this idea for creating a roadway that is actually solar-powered roadway. I've heard of, I've heard of a road a road that powers your car mm. as it goes along. This is something that he's... he's Same sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I love this stuff because for me, this is like, when I was a kid, this was science fiction. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, electric cars going into space, all, you know, everything that we're exploring, all these pictures coming back, you know, even like touch screens. 
And he's, he's also developed a thing called the Hyperloop. I don't know if you've, have you heard of the Hyperloop. I have, yes, I've heard of it. Put it this way, it's um, a very high-speed transit system. Put it in terms that people could understand in the UK. You can go from London to Edinburgh in 34 minutes. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty good. <laughs> And I've not been to Edinburgh yet, so I might wait till I'm old and it's built. <laughs> <laughs> Save myself the time. It's all it's exciting times. It's like even even Stephen Hawking, didn't he? He was he was excited. He listened to some of his stuff and Carl Sagan. Well, in the 80s and things and 90s, they were excited and said it was an exciting time. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the things they were talking about then are now a reality now. So I'm really excited about all this cool stuff. So anyway, did anyone see? Any of the Perseids meteor shower this year? I'm not 100% sure if I did or didn't, to be honest. <laughs> it's unconfirmed. As, as Mick says, if you didn't get a picture, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. But I was lucky. I did see a few. I saw a few, but it was before the peak. Mm-hmm. And I actually managed to capture one on my phone as well. So I can send you that picture because I know you do the notes for all of this. So the picture will be there for you to see yeah. of what we managed to get. Uh, it was in my garden in Milton Keynes and I used an app called Nightcap Pro. And it's just on the iPhone. Not sure about Android. I'm afraid I'm an, I'm an iPhone man at the moment. And yeah, I just stuck it in my garden, put it on the setting that it does. And it kind of does little recordings. And then I went back, had a look for it. There was a meteor. Fantastic. Loved it. I was like on my phone, in my garden, and I could be inside having a cup of tea or outside with my telescope looking at other stuff while my phone's doing that. And I was lucky enough because I was outside when it happened. I saw the meteor go. And then I ran to my phone like a little kid. And I thought, oh, I don't want to touch it yet because it's still doing something. When it stopped, I picked it up, went through. There it was. Oh, man. So that means anyone now who has a phone can get their own pictures of meteors. Yeah. It's brilliant. When we were at Stars in the Park, I was sat there with Mick. We actually saw one of the um, one of the flares, you know, the iridium flares. Oh, the iridiums, yeah. Yeah, we actually saw one actually with the naked eye as it went over. Awesome, they're pretty bright, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty strange. It's pretty much just like a satellite going over, mm-hmm. and then the light just happens to glint on it, doesn't it? The sun's light at a certain point, and it flares up, doesn't it? Yeah. It just shines so brightly across the sky. And then it just dims again, almost disappears, isn't it? Yeah, I was I was so surprised that you could literally see it with the naked eye. Can you imagine if you had your, your phone on? Yeah. You could have got it. it would have, you would have had it. It would have been there. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, we have no luck in the UK of astronomy. Blood moon, remember we talked about it a couple of months ago? Yeah. 100% cloud, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Clear the night before, clear the night after, 100% cloud on the day. Mars, closest in 15 years planet-wide dust storm and I actually read in a couple of magazines they've actually got pictures of it and it was exactly like what I saw then Perseid two-night peak yeah you guessed it 100% cloud (laughs) I was like come on man give us a break but I did get to see a few before and after and I know our Facebook group did as well because they managed to get quite a few pictures on there they used their cameras and phones and in fact our photo competition last month was uh, meteors, satellites, iridium flares and the International Space Station so all those sorts of things lights flying across the sky pretty much yeah there were some pretty interesting photographs coming through yeah there's some really good stuff it was really good and then people kind of chatting going I think this is an iridium flare I think this is a meteor I think this is that so it's quite quite fun to chat to people and uh, figure it out so you can see that on our Facebook group uh, the winners will be announced by the time this goes out so we have a winner there two runners up and then you can see all of the stuff on our Flickr page if you go on to Flickr it's all on there all of our winners and runners up for the last two or three years are all there and I think actually we've got a gallery opening in Olney in October 
So the 1st of October, I'll probably talk about that next month. But yeah, we've actually got a gallery where we're going to showcase the winners from last year because they all win a UK astronomy calendar with their, you know, their picture on the month they won. Yeah. Because we do different categories each month just to make it fun and more interested and get people out. It's more about getting people out, actually taking pictures and going for it. Even beginners, when we look at it, we say, please put what you used because if it's a beginner one, we think, wow, they managed to get that just with a phone. That's awesome. So you've still got the chance to win, even if you're not a professional. So yeah, you can you can go there and see that. And I'll talk about that next month for you and find out all the details. There's been a couple of strange things going on. I mean, one was in the Facebook group. No one's really been able to explain it yet. It was, it was a light in the sky. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to love aliens and all that stuff. That's probably because of the X-Files and things. But, you know, I, I like to think, right, there's always an explanation for something. And if there isn't, then it's probably aliens. <laughs> but yeah, there's a strange light. One person put went on there and kind of gives a little description of, yeah, I saw this light and it was really, like a really bright star, but it seemed to then dim a bit, then brighten, then it kind of disappeared, only to then come back again. Uh, it was then reported another night and then another night by someone else. So it was like, you know, a one-off, you can kind of think a bit of atmosphere or something like that going on. Another person said that for some reason, as planes, they were also on a flight path, as a plane or helicopter kind of passed it, it dimmed. So naturally, I was thinking, well, they must be either passing in front of it or maybe as they were going near it, they're being affected by, you know, the hot air that comes out of the plane or the helicopter or the atmosphere around it. But to be honest with you, it is a little bit of a mystery because many astronomers reported it as well. So it's not just, you know, the public, it's astronomers in the group who, you know, they know the difference between a planet, a star, all these lights. And we're kind of sitting there and I was like, this is interesting. Now, I love a sort of debate. So there's a random thing, like a light that dims, goes bright. It seems to be in the sky at night, every single night. So, you know, it's got to be something like a planet or a star or something like that because it's there. So I was going to ask you, actually, I was going to say, do you know of any new static satellites? Because it wasn't moving, so it's just still. I was like, Elon Musk hasn't put up another car there or anything, has he? Or... <laughs> well, there's been, there's been a few satellite launches recently, but nothing... Yeah. Will... A lot of them are very deep space, so it'd be doubtful that you'd actually see it. No, because it's gonna—if it's a satellite, the static—it's gonna have to be something close or really bright, almost like iridium style. But yeah, so all I can say is keep an eye out, you know, and let us know if you ever see it, because we don't actually know what direction or where it is or anything like that at the moment. So if you—if you do see anything that you don't know what it is, if you go on our Facebook group or email me, you can get it on www.ukastronomy.org, the website. And give us some information because I'd love to find out what it is because, you know, it's got to be something. It's there and it's there every night. So, yeah, that's something that's a little bit odd. That's something that guys can look out for if you like to. And it sounds like sorry. something that's orbiting something else, if you know what I mean, because, yeah. you know, something's going around in a particular rotation that's actually causing it to dim and then come back out of it again. Like, I mean, I've seen, I've seen planets kind of do that a bit when you get a bit of wispy cloud going in front of it or something. You, don't actually, you can't see the cloud. Or maybe a jet stream, or so. That's that's the way I was sort of thinking. I was mm. thinking, right, if it's out, if it's out in space, then it's got to be something between us and it that's getting in front of it and making it do that. So you know, you never know. It might have been something like I said, as there's like a jet stream, or yeah, or as you said, it might be something orbiting something. Who knows? But yeah, it'd be cool to find it out because I love things like this. I was like, oh, it's a strange light in the sky. Aliens <laughs> <laughs> get Mulder in. <laughs> but yeah, the other odd thing which is quite strange, which I've, I've never seen this before. And uh, I actually saw it with my own eyes and then I took some pics of it because uh, it was a very strange formation of clouds. 
And now, you, as you know, Mark, astronomers hate clouds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're our nemesis, but these were pretty cool. And it was I was actually alerted by a friend who's in the Facebook group as well. And I actually met this friend through the astronomy. And all I got was a message saying, go outside now. <laughs> I was thinking, why? Are you in my garden or something? And I kind of like, I went out and said, I went, okay. I told my wife, I went, I'm just going out in the garden because someone's told me to. Uh, if I'm not back in five minutes, call the police. So I went into my garden, naturally looking up as you do. And then I saw these clouds and they were, they were quite strange. They were moving across the sky kind of normally, but they formed perfectly straight lines up in the sky with perfectly straight gaps in between. So almost like a farmer's field, it kind of reminded me of when they yeah. just ploughed it. When you looked up at the sky, the whole sky was like it. It just looked freaking weird, man. But just standing there thinking, this is weird because the moon was up as well, shining through them. So naturally, got my phone out, took some pictures, posted it in the Facebook group and said, man, go outside and have a look at these. Does anyone know what they are? Others then started reporting them and popping it in there. As you know, this is what I love about the Facebook group. You kind of chat to people all over the UK about things they're seeing in the sky. And they only lasted for about half an hour. Then they kind of flattened out again and went back to normal 100% cloud that we're used to. So naturally, being a curious man, I decided, right, I'm going to put into Google strange lined clouds. And it popped up. And then I read that they're actually formed by convection rolls of rising warm air and sinking cool air. Rising warm air cools gradually as it ascends into the atmosphere. When moisture in the warm air mass cools and condenses, it forms clouds. Cloud streets is actually what they're called. So it's like cloud streets typically form fairly straight lines over large flat areas such as the ocean. So apparently they're quite common in the ocean, but we never get to see them because you're never really out, are you, in the ocean? No. Spend most of of our time on land, hopefully. So yeah, I've never heard of that, never seen it. So it's, again, something else new that I've now seen in our skies. There's always something. It's brilliant. Wow. So, yeah, like to actually look at, I've got, I've, I've put a picture on, because there's actually a picture I found on Google that shows you sort of like a diagram of how it works. It's better to see rather than try and explain yeah. how they work. So, yeah, I mean, I even started talking about what's going on in the sky next month. And already, you know, we've talked about all the events, all the stuff we've seen, all the stuff you can see, all these crazy things that are up. Great. Mm-hmm. I love it. Should we talk about the month ahead? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, stop boring people with our stories of (laughs) things that have passed. Cool, right. So this month, we've seen most of the good planets, I'm afraid. They're all kind of uh, dipping down and things like that now. So now we're on to Neptune. Neptune is the planet to see this month because it's at opposition on the 7th. It's in the constellation Aquarius. So geometrically, this positions Earth closer to Neptune, making it appear bigger and brighter than usual. With Neptune being so far away, you don't actually get to see too much difference, I'm afraid. With the other planets, they do seem to brighten and be slightly bigger than usual, so it's a good view. But with Neptune, it's not that much different, really. You can see it through binoculars, but 
as always, sort of Uranus and Neptune, they are best seen through a telescope because they are, I don't know how far away, but <laughs> the furthest ones. And they're a little bit dim as well. So, yeah, you can see it. And if you look for a telescope, you will actually be able to see its moon as well, which is Triton. Now, often these moons get mixed up, especially with me. I mean, I mix up names like Mark, Mike and Nick. That's it. Mick, Mike, Nick. Oh, that's it. I've gone. I've lost it. So it often gets mixed up because Saturn's moon is called Titan, isn't it? Yep. So for me, you've got Titan and Triton. That's just, <laughs> that just messes. So to help me, how I do it is I think, right, Neptune is the king of the sea. So he has a Triton. Oh, well, he has a trident, but it I is. Was, oh, <laughs> see, I've messed up already. But, but that's how I'm going to try and do it. That's how you remember it because it's a yeah. tri rather than a tie. Yeah, and so I'm going to go for ne Triton. Neptune, Neptune has a trident, so that'll be, yeah. See, I don't. I need to go and learn my uh, history now. I'm going to have to go back to school <laughs> learn all about Neptune. So, yes, so Triton, that will help me. Good. Yeah. And in Saturn, I think of it as a Titan because yeah. it's big. So that's how I'm going to try to think of it. So it's always nice to be corrected. I like that. And you did it in a very nice way. You didn't just call me an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can see its moon and you'll see it moving around as well. So, yeah, go out and have a look at Neptune. It'll be pretty cool. Now, on the 9th, we've got a new moon and we know what that means. Great time for deep sky stuff, which oh, is what yeah. I love. And it's also a good time to spot our next object because there is a comet in the sky. And I think we might have gone through this one before because I think it was coming on its way. There is one that in the sky at the moment that's going to be better in December. So I'm not going to talk about that until it's a bit brighter and better to see. But it's 21p Giacobini Zimmer. And it's at perihelion where it is closest to the sun in its orbit. So when you're looking, you should be able to see it with binoculars, hopefully. The next comet that's coming in December, it, they're saying that it should be a naked eye one. So I'm going to keep an eye on that and hopefully we'll be able to see that even better. So what you should see through binoculars, you see almost like a sort of green hue, almost like a fuzzy round green hue. And it'll be sort of brighter white in the middle generally. And that hue's kind of around it. And maybe if you're lucky, if you've got a telescope or a really good set of eyes or a nice dark sky, then maybe a tail as well. Because it's, you know, closest to the sun, it gives off a nice tail usually, hopefully, if we're lucky. So you can see this comet. That's on the 10th is when it's closest to the sun. It moves across the sky quite quickly. I've had a look at where it is. Because it is on the, uh, if you've got the app Stellarium, or probably on other apps as well, it actually shows you where it is on there. So that's quite cool. So you can use that to do it. So on a 12th, it's then very close to a, a nice cluster called M37, which is uh, it's the brightest of three open clusters that are in the constellation Auriga. So it goes down to Auriga, and those clusters are really cool. If you can see the three clusters there, ah, oh, they're really cool. So it's M37, it's right next to it. So if you've got a camera, a telescope, you might be able to get both together, which would be wicked. Uh, on the morning of the 15th, it's just north of M35 in Gemini, which is, again, it's a nice open cluster just by Gemini's sort of foot, one of the uh, twins' feet. So there's two there, really. There's a nice big open cluster. You can see it with binoculars, which is great. Bottom right of it, I say bottom right, but that's with a uh, reflector because I'm a Dob snob, apparently, Dobsonian. Uh, there's another little cluster just to the bottom right of it, so you get two for one. So you get two for one and a comet on the 15th. So if you can get out, go out and have a peek at that. On the 24th, it then moves down through uh, what's known as uh, the Cone Nebula Complex. Which, if you've seen pictures of it, I'm sure you know it, Mark. You must know it. The uh, Cone Nebula. Yep, know the Cone Nebula. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge pillar of gas, like a massive, humongous. It's all gas and dust. And it's, a, it's actually a really turbulent, star-forming sort of region. And uh, it's pretty hard to see unless you've got a good dark sky. 
or you do astrophotography. Astrophotography can bring it out really nicely. But if you can't see that, you should see there's a nice cluster of hot young stars there that have just formed. They're great. They're really cool. And I'm not going to ruin what their name is because I'm going to wait till Christmas for that one. And yeah, there's a nice cluster of stars there. So you should be able to see a nice cluster of stars. If you're lucky, the cone nebula and... You know, if you've got astrophotography or a camera or something, why not have a go at seeing if you can get the comet and that all in one picture? That would be really cool. So that's the comet. That's the main comet that you can see flying about at the moment. Now, on to the other things that, you know, a bog standard as myself can see, which is quite fun. On the 13th, just after sunset, if you look southwest, so it's kind of to the left of where the sun sets, there'll be a nice crescent moon there hanging, which will be cool in the sky. Below left of it will be the planet Jupiter again. And it's really kind of, we're getting to the last real chances to actually see Jupiter because it is getting lower and lower and it will probably be gone in a couple of months below the horizon so we won't be able to see it again for like another year or so. If you've got a nice flat horizon, that sort of way, you may spot the planet Venus as well, kind of peaking over the top. So you can see that, that'd be quite cool. Probably might make a little triangle between Jupiter, Moon and Venus. Get a picture of it on your phones, why not? The 16th, it's Mars's turn to be at perihelion. Got that right, I like that, I've done it now. Uh, but as we spoke about it, dust storms. We spoke about that because uh, that's what it had, didn't it, a couple of months ago? Yeah. And I actually was reading up in a magazine and I learned that apparently around this time of year, when we're at the best time to see it, its southern hemisphere is kind of lent towards the sun more. So it receives more solar radiation, which is actually strong enough to be able to kick off more extensive dust storms than usual from that sort of area. Although... They did say that the latest one that covered it actually originated from the Northern Hemisphere. So who knows? But apparently, yeah, because it's tilted, who knew that like just the solar radiation, even like past us, can actually start a whole dust storm. So it's oh, almost yeah. like the sun is interacting with the planet so much that it creates that. Yeah, it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, it's really, because we don't, we don't really think of it because we're protected, aren't we? But Mars hasn't got that much atmosphere. So it just shows that, you know, even though Mars is further away, imagine if we didn't have our atmosphere. Let's not think about it. Yes, yeah, so you can have a look at that. Mars and the Moon together on the 17th. Look out for Saturn, because Saturn will be below right of the Moon. So it's a good time to spot that. And uh, Saturn's slowly going as well, I'm afraid. And we did get to see Saturn at Park Life because we, not only do we do the day stuff at Park Life, we then camp over behind the stage and we do an evening event for everyone to come and view stuff. And we were lucky enough we could see the Moon, Mars and Saturn. And Saturn's the one. You show people Saturn, they are so amazed by it that everyone just wanted to see Saturn for a telescope. That was it. Paul, Moon and Mars had uh, <laughs> had nothing on it. So yeah, Saturn's there. So definitely, if you can see Saturn, go and have a look. It's really cool. On the 19th, it's then Mars's turn to be close to the Moon. So it's a good time for you to find where Mars is. Uh, the Moon will be about 75% lit, so about three quarters, I always say. And it'll be up from about 11.30 onwards. So you have to be a bit more of a night owl to be able to see if you want to see Mars and the Moon together. And the 19th as well, it's also my birthday. Happy birthday! But I'm at work all day, 9.30 to 8pm. I didn't take the day off. Aww. I'll do something at the weekend, eh? 23rd is the autumn equinox. It occurs when the centre of the sun's disc crosses the celestial equator moving from north to south. That means that summer's over. Ooh. But dark skies start. Yay! Yay! So the summer's over, but 
Now it's astronomy time. So it's good and bad there on the 23rd. Last but not least, the 25th. This morning's full moon also marks the autumn equinox because by being the closest full moon to the event, it is actually called the harvest moon. But it won't be anything different or special, just a normal full moon. So whatever the papers say or anything on Facebook tries to tell you anything different, it's just a normal full moon. But, you know, it's, they call it the harvest moon. I think it was uh, the American Indians. There's all sorts of moons. We know that we had to talk about it, didn't we, I think? Mm-hmm. All different moons and stuff going on. So, yeah, but it's still a full moon. It's still cool to see rising. Why not? I always say it's normal full moon. And everyone goes, oh, it's boring. I'm like, but it is a huge chunk of rock that's floating around the Earth that's the remnants of two planets that collided together. That is far from boring or normal, is it not? And some say we may have been part of that at one point. Yeah, that was a part of us. We are two planets that merged together Mm. at this this time without any other scientific evidence. (laughs) Because people listening back 10 years where they probably disproved it, probably be like, actually, they were wrong. They were stupid back in those days. But yeah, how cool is that? That 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 chunk of rock is what is left. Is you know, it's got thrown out from a collision between planets, and that's what I'm going to end on. That's my monthly guide, and I know I spoke a lot about what we were up to, but I just like to chat to Mark. To be honest, we we end up spending <laughs> hours, and I keep getting told off my wife because I haven't done any decorating. Uh, I, think, I think she can't have a go at you for that either, because you have done a lot over the last few weeks. To be fair, yeah. I have to send you a picture of that to put in the group as well. <laughs> <laughs> as, as one thing I uh, wanted to make a, a point of, um, it's, it's to do with the group, actually. There's one of the group members, somebody called Stacy Downton. Yep. Put up some uh, images of the Elephant Trunk Nebula. Yep. Uh, which has been renamed by her <laughs> as, as the Knickknack, the Knickknack Nebula. <laughs> because it looks like a, a knickknack. Now, for people that are not familiar with UK products, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to put a picture of some knickknacks. You are now, now yeah. Um, it's uh, kind of like a, a, a maze snack, basically, and it's a, a, a knobbly, wibbly-wobbly thing. And that's what this nebula looks like. <laughs> so It's a bit like, a bit like a twiglet, if they know a twiglet, but I not as brown, is it? It's kind of more yellow and orangey. A, a bit like a twig. <laughs> a bit like a twig. Yeah, that would yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I made a comment in underneath uh, the images that she put up saying, this is something that we keep doing in the group now, and I, I think it's a great thing to do, is renaming yeah. these different celestial bodies because um, was it yourself or was it Mick who came up with the uh, the Johnny Five cluster? Hey, laser lips! Your mama was a snowblower! No, oh, that was me, yeah. Johnny Five. It's the uh, it's in Cassiopeia and I think they call it the, the Owl Nebula because uh, it's got two really bright stars that look like eyes but I took a picture of my phone and I looked and it looks like Johnny Five, the robot. Is it from the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. From, yeah, from uh, the 80s with his hands up in the air, doesn't it? Yep. And it is. I'll send you that picture so they can see that as well. So, but yeah. this is something I think that we should be encouraging in the group because if it gets you to remember these different things in space, then... It's great. So we now in the group have <laughs> the Johnny Five Cluster and Nick-Nack Nebula and the Nick-Nack Nebula. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's all astronomers do anyway, isn't it? Yeah, they see it, they find it. Like there's there's the coat hanger, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Which is literally a group of stars that looks like a coat hanger. It's but- a triangle with a little hook on the end, and it's a coat hanger. 
but you, you quite often look at constellations and things and say, well, this is called so-and-so. It's supposed to represent this. But I don't think it looks anything like that. But it does look like yep. whatever. Well, so I, I always say it's Canis Minor, isn't it? Which yeah. is just two stars mm-hmm. with a line drawn. And it's a dog. Yeah. And I, I always mention that because I'm like, who did that? <laughs> Why not call it the snake or the worm? Maybe it's a stick that they wanted the dog to fetch and it didn't. Ah, see, now that would have been better because you've got Canis Major not far from it. <laughs> it could have been the stick that it's... See, right, there you go, done. <laughs> I think we should start naming them other things as well like Canis Major should just be the big dog because you've got the big bear the little bear big dog but I, I'm, I'm sure we can come up with some great names for some of these celestial bodies it might be worth having uh, some kind of album somewhere of the alternative <laughs> stuff <laughs> well, I must admit I, I have a for some reason I seem to remember silly things like this so when I'm when I'm doing talks and things if it comes up I'd be like this is the thingy bob nebula but also known as a knickknack nebula because it looks like a knickknack look and this is what a knickknack looks like <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, I'd, I'd, we'll have to make a mention to Stacey when when this actually goes out so that she can go, oh, got mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's, it's, it was the last park life where me and Mick got the Johnny Five cluster. Ah. So it's exactly the same time of year, pretty much, that we did it. <laughs> it was at park life. <laughs> awesome. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. .weebly.com That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com Ross has given us his guide to the month and so I guess it's time to wrap things up. Now before we do that, obviously I'd like to mention about the main show that's coming up later in the month. Hopefully we'll be having a special guest on the show which will be a guy called Dave Lee. Now, Dave Lee is a podcaster. He does a podcast called The Waves of Tech. And uh, not only does he do that, he is the co-founder of an event that comes up every year about this time called International Podcast Day, which uh, the Garbage Pod and TGP Nominal are very much involved with. And as I say, he's the co-founder of, and we want to get him on and talk to everyone about that and his Waves of Tech podcasts and all other things that he's involved in because he he loves his space and science and stuff. And because he lives not far from the Mojave Desert which is the home of the America spaceport so uh, yeah hopefully we'll be getting him on the show for the main show so look forward to that now Ross it's always a pleasure to have you on the show thank you for having me and listen to me rambling on (laughs) always a pleasure (laughs) always a pleasure so next month is going to be a little bit different Um, we're not going to be separating the TGP Nominal Extra from the main show and the reason for that is we are going to put one uber episode of TGP Nominal out because it is our fifth anniversary Um, we're planning something special for that and uh, yeah should be fun sounds great look forward to it 
Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.